the book of Ruth in chapter number 3, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. And of course, the book of Ruth is a record of how God reached down in Moab and pulled a sinner girl out and put her into the field of grace, as we noticed last night, connected her up with her Redeemer and met every need that she would ever have. It speaks of how God reached uh, into sin and into this world to get you and I uh, to pull us out and, of course, to bring us into His wonderful grace. Now, let's begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible said, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he went with barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore, and anoint thee. Put thy raiment upon thee. Get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man until he have done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie. Thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down. And he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And she went down into the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. When Boaz had eaten and well drunk and his heart was merry... He went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. She came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. It came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself, and behold, a woman laid his feet. He said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast shown more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether rich or poor. Now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. Now it is true that I am thy near kinsman, albeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Now let me stop here just for a moment and explain to you the importance of this kinsman in the book of Ruth. There were situations in individual lives, such as we find in Naomi's life and in Ruth, Ruth's life in which they could become bankrupt and lose everything that they had. And so as a result, they would have to sell their land. It was not the will of God that the land be sold out of the family and out of the tribe. So what would happen is, is the nearest of kin, whoever was near of kin, would have the right of redemption. They could buy this land that was going to have to be sold, and by doing so, they would retain it within the family. Also, there was an occasion in which if a young lady married a young man and the young man died without the young lady having any children, then she would marry the nearest of kin 
And the first child to be born would be given the name of the young man that had died to keep that name alive in Israel. Now in our day, when a young man gets married, he tells his brother, it's none of your business who I marry. But in Bible times, it was your brother's business because if you died, he'd be stuck with your woman. And he wanted to find out what she looked like before you married her. Nearest of kin. And uh, so this is what this kinsman situation is concerning. Naomi's going to have to sell the farm to live. And Ruth has lost her husband in death with no children. So we need a kinsman to put everything back like it's supposed to be. And again, this is emphasized, this is illustrate an illustration of you and I as sinners lost in Adam. And the only one that could put it back like it ought to be is our kinsman, our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank God He did that at Calvary. He purchased you and He purchased me. Now, notice in verse number 13. Tarry this night, and it will be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. And she lay at his feet until the morning. She rose up before one could know another, and she said, He said, Let it not be known that a woman came in to the floor. And he said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee, and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley, and laid it on her. And she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. And she said, These six measures of barley gave he me. For he said to me, Go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Then said she, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. I want to preach tonight on this subject. Ruth is at his feet. The paradox of the Christian life is far different than that of worldly thinking. We as God's children see unseen things. We rest under a yoke. We possess all things by having nothing. When we are weak, then we are strong. We glory in our infirmities. And we gain our lives only when we lose them. Ruth chapter number 3 illustrates and emphasizes another paradox. And that is the way up is down. The way to gain is to lose. And here we find that Ruth comes and lays down at her Redeemer's feet. At the feet of Boaz. No man can serve his king rightly until he has first bowed at his feet. Anytime 
a man stood in the face of Christ in the New Testament, it was a time of, of haughtiness and antagonism. But any time that a man or a woman bowed at his feet, it was a time of humility. And I noticed when Christ traversed this earth that there were those who bowed at his feet and how that the Lord Jesus ministered to those who would take such a lowly position. The maniac who cut himself and was in chains, the Bible said, was clothed and in his right mind. But where was he at? At the feet of Jesus. I think about the woman with the issue of blood that had spent all that she had, but to no avail. But she came and she said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment. And she did so. Jesus stopped uh, the whole procession and said, somebody has touched me. And the disciples said, well, Lord, they're crowding all around you. He said, oh, no, but someone has touched me because I have felt virtue go out of me. And this woman was healed as she bowed at the feet of the Son of God. And it is the truth of the Scripture that the very first place that God Almighty wants us to take is a place and a position of humility at the feet of the Son of God. He has ordained. As a matter of fact, the Bible said uh, concerning Christ that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to the glory of God the Father. God intends that everything in the book of 1 Corinthians shall be put under His feet. I don't know about you, but I'd rather bow here than I would come judgment day. Now I want us to look at how Ruth has taken this humble position as she has bowed at the feet of Jesus. Now don't misunderstand me. I know and I believe that there are times that we are to stand for Christ, but you cannot stand for the Christ whom you have not submitted to and you have not bowed to. I feel that before we can ever serve Christ, we must worship Christ. Before we can ever stand for Christ, we must bow before His feet upon our face and find our strength and our energy as we worship Him. And so I want you to notice as she moves in to Boaz at his feet and bows there. Now there are three things that I want to point out to you that I see at the feet of Boaz that you will find at the feet of the Lord Jesus. The first thing I want to point out to you is in verse number four. The Bible said, this is what uh, Naomi said to Ruth. It shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie. Thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down. And here is, here's the section I want you to notice. And he will tell thee what thou shalt do. At the feet of Boaz, first of all, there is information. Information. Now this is supreme information. You've got to understand that Ruth is a Moabite. She doesn't know anything, or very little at least, of the customs and traditions and the truths of the Israelites and of the commandments of God. 
She is newly in this, in this world that is, that is fresh on her behalf. And so as she comes into Israel, uh, she must be told and she must learn what the truths are there in her relationship with God in this new life. And so Naomi says to her, what I want you to do so that you'll know what needs to be done is you go in and you find his feet. And when you have found his feet, you lay at his feet and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. Now that is supreme information. The reason being is, is nobody can tell Ruth what she needs to hear like the Redeemer can. Because nobody knows like he knows. Now she can ask all the other fair maidens of the land. She can get their advice and their input. But it's far more important that she hear from the lips of the one who wants to marry her, her Redeemer, to hear from Boaz. He is the Supreme One. And so she goes in and she lays at his feet. I tell you, there is so much information in this hour. People are ever learning and, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And everybody knows how to, and everybody wants to tell you how to. The how-tos of the Christian life, the how-tos of prayer, the how-tos of pastoring, the how-tos of building a church, the how-tos of raising your young'uns even. Everybody has written a book and has information on the how-tos. But I want to say unto you, when it comes to the Christian life, there's nobody that can tell you how to other than or like the Lord Jesus because he is the Christian life. And boy, he can say things to you and he can speak to you and tell you what nobody in this world can tell you. Oh, he is the one who can supremely communicate to our hearts that which we need to know for the hour. I was riding along to a meeting one morning and I passed a church sign and on that sign it said, seven ways to feeling better. I started to stop. I wasn't feeling too good. But I thought about how everybody has the answers for all of our lives. Well, where are those who, who would forget what the world has to say and many times even forget what the brethren have to say and find the feet of the Son of God and say, Lord, I'm going to lay here until I hear what you want done about this matter. I'm not going to listen to what everybody else says about what I should do. I'm going to stay here until you tell me what to do about the matter. He knows. He's qualified. He's the only one that can tell you what needs to be done. Can I say to you, when you can grope at his feet and listen for his voice, he will tell thee what thou shalt do. He has the supreme information that we need on the Christian life. He has the specific information that we need. 
I notice in these verses what he begins to tell her. He tells her, first of all, about herself. Now, she wasn't expecting this. When she came to lay at his feet, uh, she was going to listen for information about what she should do in this matter of redemption and of marriage. But the first thing he does is he begins to tell her about herself. (laughs) I'm sure that was alarming to her because she probably thought, well, how does he know about me? He begins to talk to her about her. Look in verse number 10. First thing he says to her, Blessed be thou the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast shown more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether rich or poor. He said, Darling, I can read your heart. You hadn't been running around just like a flusy trying to find you a man. But you was trying to find God's way and God's will in your life. And I can see that. And he comments on her, telling her about her. Now, if she'd listened to the talk in the community before she got there, I'm sure she could hear people rooming around and saying, boy, she's a Moabite. She'll never fit in up here. Don't care much for Moabites. And, and if she'd have listened to all them, she'd have built up all that negativism in her and probably went back to Moab. But instead of listening to the Israelites or the Moabites, she goes in and listens to the Redeemer. He tells her about herself. Jesus knows more about you than you know about yourself or anybody else. Well, there are times when I have preached and I thought, oh, Lord, I tell you, I brought the chandeliers down tonight. Everybody said, that's a great sermon. Go off somewhere and get down at night to begin to pray. And the, I'll tell you, it seemed like the Lord Jesus speak to my heart and said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You just showed off. That was self-glory and won't none of it stand come judgment day. Well, you see, he knows. That's right. But then there have been times when I've crawled out of the pulpit and felt like I was a total failure. No one wanted to hear what I had to say. And I went home, got down and said, Lord, I just messed everything. He said, no, you didn't. I enjoyed that. <laughs> Matter of fact, that's about as good a sermon as you preach. Just keep it up. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you, when the Son of God speaks to your heart like that, that's all you need. You don't need the accolades of praises of man if you can get to him and hear his voice. Oh, he'll tell you about you. Boy, that is good, isn't it? Sometimes we think too highly of ourselves. Sometimes we may think too lowly of ourselves. But honey, if you'll get at his feet in the stillness of the night, let him begin to talk to you, you'll see yourself like you're supposed to. He'll tell you who you are. But the second thing, I'm talking about the specifics. In verse 12 and 13, he'll tell you who he is. Now that's important, too. It's important that you hear from the Son of God so he can tell you who you are. But it's important that you hear from the mouth of the Son of God, not from anybody else, so he can tell you who he is. I appreciate the preacher telling me who he is. I appreciate the Sunday school teacher telling me who he is. But honey, it wasn't until 32 years ago that I met him in that little alley that he told me who he was. 
Nobody else had to tell me from that day on. I knew who he was. Oh, he began to tell you about himself. Look in verse 12. He said, now it's true that I am thy near kinsman. Howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Now think about that. He said, now, I'm not him. He said, now, darling, you coming in here to hear some information, I'm just going to tell you now, you're dealing with this thing of redemption. I just want to tell you that, that I'm not him. And I want to tell you that he's not me. Now, you got to keep us separated. Amen. Uh, we, there's just two of us, and, and, and we're different. And he said, I don't know, verse 13, he goes on talking about, talking about that other fellow and dealing with that other fellow. But he said, what I want you to be sure of now, while we're here, that I'm not him and he's not me. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, in everybody's life, there's two that's running the race right. trying to get a hold of you. Right. And that's the Lord Jesus and the devil. Yeah. The devil's not him and he's not the devil. There's a world of difference. And the important thing is, if you don't ever get at the feet of Jesus and let him tell you who he is, Amen. how are you going to know who he ain't? Amen. 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 That's good. That's good. Boy, I tell you, not long after I saved, I turned on the radio and the fellow started, had that deep bass voice and boy, he's running through that prophecy. And I thought that was pretty good to start with. And, all this, uh, and, and, and I tell you, didn't listen very long until the Lord Jesus said, that ain't me. Amen. I hadn't been saved that long. Amen. Is that old Armstrong fellow, you know, used to, used to teach on the radio. Oh, he's trying to pull me in, but you see, he's too late. I'd done been at the feet of the Son of God. He told me who he was, and I knew that wasn't him. If you ever find out who he is, you'll know who he ain't. But the problem with a lot of folks is they just got a big bun of religion. It don't really make no difference to them who is and who ain't. I'm here to tell you this preacher ain't him and this church ain't him and this preacher ain't him. I'll tell you this ain't him. You say, well, who is he? I can't tell you who he is. You just got to get there and you find out who he is. Amen. He said, nah, that ain't me. I ain't him and he ain't me. Now, I'm going to tell you that right now. There's a whole lot of difference there, ain't there? And now in the eyes of this world, there ain't much difference. It's this religion, this religion, they all the same. But I'm going to tell you, when she come out of there that night, there's a whole lot of difference between them two. Said, I know him. I laid at his feet last night and I heard his voice. I know who he is. And I know who he ain't. Well, the Holy Ghost, it's important. Holy Ghost lets you know who he ain't. He lets you know who he is. I said he, I'm talking about the specifics. He'll let you know who you are. He'll let you know who he is. He'll let you know what he wants you to do. And it won't be a long list either. Lord, most Baptist churches, it's worse than the Ten Commandments. You can hang them from the top to the bottom, all the lists. I was in a church here a while back. Preacher didn't want me to preach because I didn't wear a tie. I said, well, I don't understand that, preach. I didn't know I was supposed to preach anyway, but uh, I was in a church here the other day, uh, the week where they told me that if I wore a tie on Wednesday night, they'd find me $5. I said, I'm kind of confused. They didn't want me to wear one. You want me to wear one. Huh? Kind of confused about that. Do you know there ain't a whole lot of regulations in Christ? Amen. 
Do you know that? If you ever get at his feet? Yeah. He don't lay over there and say, all right now, darling, I'm going to tell you something. You're mine, but the way this thing's got to work is now what I want you to do. I don't want you to look at no other men. I don't want you to go where no, and I don't want you to... He don't have to worry about that. What do you think she's at his feet for? Because he don't want nobody else. She don't want nobody Amen, else. Preacher. That's already settled. That's it, brother. Huh? Amen. And honey, if you ain't got enough God in your soul to settle those things, you ain't got much anyhow. If I gotta, if I gotta dictate to you what to look like and what to wear and what to do, what not to do, Amen. Did you notice the rules and regulations He gave her? Has He told her what to do? He said, "Tarry this night. Just roll over and go to sleep, darling. I'll take care of everything." And isn't that what it is in Christ? Resting in Him while He does it all. Yeah. He'll tell you what you need to do and he'll tell you what he's going to do. <laughs> he said, Terry, this night, it shall be in the morning. And he goes on to tell him what he's going to do. I say to you tonight that at his feet is information. I'm telling you. The longer I pastored, the easier it got. Because the less I told folks to do, I just got up and preached the book verse by verse. And if the book won't cut their hair, and if the book won't, I'm, I'm t- it's amazing to me. Well, if you just let Jesus speak to people, they won't be like these cookie cutter religion things. They all come out looking the same, walking the same, and talking the same. I like to hear a fellow come in. He's a little odd. He does things a little different. But the reason why he does, he got down at the feet of Jesus. Amen. And Jesus told him something that he didn't tell me. Yeah. What about that? Don't you believe that? Amen. He's got a personal walk for all of us. It's not always the same. Amen. But if you get at his feet and let him talk to you, that's all the difference in the world it makes. Amen. Amen. Mm. Now I like that. I'm here to tell you at his feet is information. He'll tell you what you need to know. And if he ain't talking to you, you don't need to hear me anyhow. Because I can't help you. At his feet is information. Secondly, I want you to notice with me. Not only is at his feet information. I might want to say this. You know, the problem with a lot of preachers is we like to give out the information. Because we want to be the rulers of the situation. Well, honey, I'll tell you tonight, I'd rather Jesus breathe across your soul and tell you what needs to be in your life than to preach to you 10,000 sermons of how I think you ought to be. It's so precious and so sweet when the Son of God has spoken to a heart. Amen. At His feet is information. But then I want you to notice with me, not only is there information, but at His feet is abdication. And you know what the word abdicate means, don't you? It has the ideal, the connotation of a king giving up the throne. It simply means to give everything up. Notice in verse number 5. And she said unto her, this is what Ruth said unto Naomi, 
all that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And she went down into the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. You know what she did? She gave up. She abdicated. She sure did. She abdicated by submitting in trust. She went in and laid down at the feet of Boaz, trusting that Boaz would take care of everything. She abdicated and she gave in by surrendering to the truth. Instead of going around trying to do it her way, she went according to the truth of the Old Testament that said you go to the nearest of kin and you submit yourself and surrender unto him according to my word and I'll take care of everything else. So she went in and she submitted and she surrendered in trust to the truth of God and laid herself down at the feet of Boaz. She abdicated and she gave up when she laid down. Thank God for those who lay down and surrender it all. At the feet of the Son of God. She is surrendered. She is laid down. And when she lays down, this thing becomes a matter of wills. That's what it is. In verse number five, she said, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. In verse number 13, Boaz says, then will I do. She said, I will do. He said, if you will do, then I will do. She surrendered and submitted her will and it was absorbed in his will. His will was exerted long before her will. Because in chapter number two, he revealed his will as he wooed her unto himself and was saying unto her, I want you to be mine. And in chapter number three, her will was absorbed into his will. You see, this matter of salvation is a matter in which your will ceases to be and his will becomes preeminent. That's it, brother. His will becomes your will, and these wills become one. That is an abdication, that is a surrendering and a submitting to the feet of the Son of God. That's not a negotiation. It's not a 50-50. It's when you lose your will and His will becomes 100% in your life. Notice what she abdicates. 
Notice what she surrenders and what she, she turns from. Look in verse number three. She is advocating. Wash thyself therefore and anoint thee. Put thy raiment upon thee and get thee down to the floor. Now the first thing that she gives up it's not a very hard thing to give up. Now you listen to some folks and you, you think, boy, they just gave up gold and mansions and, and prosperity and all that other stuff. The only thing she's got left is a bunch of rags. And these rags are garments that widows wore. The widow's garment. The old black garment and the black veil so that everybody could associate her with a dead past. Everywhere she went, they said, that there is the wife of the dead. Associated her with her past. The dead past. Naomi said to her, first thing you need to do is get rid of them dead clothes. And she throws off the dead garments so that now when she goes in and lays at the feet of Boaz, she's not dragging all that past with her. She comes in with some new perfume on. With a beautiful veil on. She's looking like a different gal. You'd have never known she was married to a dead man. You wouldn't have known anything about her past. She came in ready for a new beginning. She gave up her past. (laughs) Boy, that ain't giving up much, is it? I say to you tonight, I got nothing good to say about my past to brag on it. I got nothing to go back to. It's all dead. When I came into Jesus, thank God, I put off the old man and put on the new. We're starting a new life together. Wouldn't it be sad for a woman whose husband had died to go marry another man and then bring all the pictures of her dead husband over to the new man's house. (laughs) Start putting them on the wall. Huh? And hanging the dead man's suits in the closet. Well, the new man can't wear the dead man's suits. He don't like them. I'd be rude for you to look at your new husband and say, what size are you? (laughs) I've kept my dead man's suits. Reckon you can wear them? If the new man's got any sense, he'd offend him. I'm not going to be your dead husband. I'm not going to look like him and walk like him. If you're coming with me, we're going anew. Hallelujah. Putting that in the past. I'm telling you, that new man don't want to look at them dead pictures on the wall. He wants some living pictures. Sure he does. Huh? I don't tell you, it's just as if, I got saved when I was 15 years old right at it. It's just as if that the years before that never even existed. Praise the Lord. Isn't that the way the Christian life is? It's just like you step over into something new. That's right. And it's a fresh new beginning with you and the Son of God. Glory to God. (laughs) 
And she went in and she said, Boaz, I'm willing to give everything to you. Forget about my past. Forget about Malon. Forget about all them dead garments. I'm ready to start anew. <laughs> when an old sinner gets saved, honey, he's ready to put off the past. She abdicates the past. Not only does she abdicate the past, but she abdicates her preferences. Again, in verse number 10, he said, Blessed be thou the Lord, my daughter. Thou hast shown more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether rich or poor. He said, You didn't, you didn't come in here saying, Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I tell you, I'm poor and I need to get a man that'll take care of me and all this stuff. He said, you come in here, you done made up your mind it was going to be one and only one. It was going to be God's way. She abdicated her past. She abdicated her preferences. But even more than that, in verse number seven, she abdicated her person. She didn't bring a gift in and put it at his feet. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the heap of corn and she came in softly and uncovered his feet and did what? Laid her down. And I say to you tonight, Jesus don't want your tithes. Jesus don't want your faithful church membership. Jesus don't want any of that. You know what Jesus wants? He wants you. And he wants me. Hallelujah. She come in and she laid down her person at the feet of the Son of God. I say to you, at his feet is information, at his feet is abdication. Surrender of it all. But then I want to say to you lastly, at his feet is indication. You know, I found a lot of folks talk about where they've been. But they couldn't show you where they were. There's a lot of difference. She goes in at his feet, but notice in verse 15 through verse 18. He said, (laughs) Bring the veil that thou hast upon me. Oh, look, I want to go back up to verse 14, latter part. Let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. Sound like this is a secret work, don't it? Shh. Don't tell nobody. Then it's as if he contradicts himself. It's ironic. Because he said, don't tell anybody that this woman has been down here at the threshing floor with all this wheat all night. And then in verse 15 he said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee and hold it. And when she had it, he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. Now I've read, I don't know if this is so or not, in the commentary that this six measures equals 75 pounds. I don't know if it does or not, but I'm going to tell you one thing. I can hand you five pounds, 
but I'd have to lay 75 on you. And this is what the scripture said. And he measured six measures of barley and did what? Laid it on her. Now you know why he laid it on her? Because that's the only way she could carry it off. But you see, it seems as though that this is a secret work and a showing work at the same time. Isn't that something? He said, don't tell anybody she's been down there. And then he put so much seed on her that if she walks through town, everybody's going to know. Isn't that the way Jesus worked in the New Testament? He healed on several occasions. He would heal somebody and he'd say, see that you don't tell nobody. Well, I mean, a man can't see. He ain't been able to see since birth. He gives him sight and says, don't tell nobody. And the guy goes through town like this. He don't have a walking stick or a seeing eye dog. Huh? That's kind of strange, ain't it? Huh? He took took the disciples up on the mountain. I'm going to take God oozed out of him. Uh And he saw Elijah and Moses come down from the mountain and said, Don't tell nobody. But every time the Bible said it was noised abroad. (laughs) Ain't that something? Yeah. It's like he's doing a secret work, but yet it's a showing work. I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about here. But if you've got to go tell somebody about what you got, you probably ain't got it. Hmm? Hey, let me take a lot of pressure off from you this week. Don't tell anybody we had meeting this week. Nobody. When you go on the job Monday, shh, keep it secret. Don't tell nobody. Let me really make it easy for you. If you going on the job money, don't please do this for me. Would you do one thing for me? Now please, don't raise your hand, but please do one thing. Don't tell anybody about Jesus. Not a soul. Please don't mention it to your neighbor. Don't mention to anybody at work. Don't tell your young ones. Don't tell anybody. If you if you can help it. But now if you can't help it, that's a different story. You see, what's going to be known in this town about what happened that night, she can't help it. She ain't running through the town saying, hey, guess what happened to me last night? Me and Boaz talked last night and he's going to marry me. She ain't doing that. I've seen folks had to come out and tell you how many verses of the Bible they read that day. And how long they prayed. Oh, I'll tell you, I got up and I prayed three hours last night. Who'd you pray to? What'd you pray about? If you happen to tell me about it, you didn't do much praying. Huh? 
And if you've got to go tell folks that you're having revival, you're not having revival. He said, don't tell nobody. She said, well, he said, don't tell nobody. I ain't going to tell nobody. And you see her going through town. She's got that veil. You can't contain a veil. It's not like a barrel. You know it's all down in her face and her eyes. And she's pushing. She's going through town trying to make her way. And she's got all that grain. Where do you get all that grain? And can't you see a young maid come up to her and saying, who is that in there? Who is is that you, Ruth? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Where in the world you been all night with all that grain? Uh-huh. Well, she said, a rhythm. Oh, come on, tell me. Oh, she said, well, uh, you know, I, didn't, I, was, I wasn't supposed to say, but I, I, I sent to threshing floor last night. Looks like me and Boaz are going to get married. <laughs> they said, oh, you're crazy. I know Boaz ain't going to marry no Moabite sinner girl. There's plenty of young, beautiful Israelite women. You ain't been with Boaz down there at the threshing floor. I know you ain't. She said, well, look at the grain. See all this barley, don't you? Yeah, go ahead. Where do you think I got the barley? Huh? She's carrying the evidence around. Let me tell you something. If you've worked on the job any length of time and you're having to tell folks you're a Christian, you're probably not. Amen. Amen. Amen, preacher. And if you're living beside a neighbor, you've lived beside him very long, and you're having to go over there and convince him that you know the Lord, you probably don't. That's right. That's right. That's right. Because, honey, if you spend any time to feed a Boaz, you don't have to tell many folks. That's right. They'll be able to look in your eyes and tell. That's exactly right. You've been somewhere alone with the Son of God. Had a dear sister back in the mountains there, near where I'm at, I met several years ago. And she'd gotten in such a fix. She had lost seven children, three of them in one year. And they was all over a year old. And the others were stillborn over the years. The doctor told her, said, there's no need for you to try to have any more children. And she said, preacher, I went into such depth of depression, I didn't know what to do. The doctor told my husband, Charles, said, Charles, you better stay with her. I don't know what she might do to herself under this pressure and these circumstances. And she said, one day, preacher, I stepped out on the little back porch here, and I've, I've been there myself. And she said, I looked up to those mountains in the fall of the year and said, I was in a kind of a daze, and I seen all those beautiful colors. And she said, out of nowhere, the Holy Ghost spoke to my heart and said, Marcel, I made every one of those leaves. I put the colors on them. And I'm the one in charge of your life. And everything's happening to you. I'll take care of you. Amen. She said a fresh breath of the Holy Ghost Amen. come across her soul. Amen. She said about an hour later, Charles came back in. She said, I hadn't said a word to him. and said about 10 minutes. Said Charles looked at him and said, Marcel, what under God's heavens happened to you? She said, I met the Lord on the back porch. Amen. And she said, preacher, it was never the same. I'm going to tell you at the feet of the Son of God, you can get more 
in one instant than you can squeeze out of this old world in a lifetime. Jesus is able to meet your needs if you just get at His feet. At His feet is indication that you've been there. My wife's daddy was an old fox hunter. He loved to fox hunt. He tell me the stories about fox hunting. And he said, you know, there's one kind of dog that we never did like to hunt with. He said every now and then you'd have a fox hunter and come and he turned one of his dogs loose and said he was a babbler. And he said, if you had a babbler, you just couldn't hunt. I said, well, now, Betty Dayton, you're going to have to back up here. I don't understand. He said, you don't know what a babbler is? He said, the way it is, fox hunting. He said, you turn dogs loose. And he said, they won't make a sound until they hit the trail of a fox. He said, that first dog will hit that trail and begin to bark. He said, then the other dogs will follow suit. But he says, you got a babbler. They may not be a trail in 10 miles, but he'll just start barking. And said if he starts barking, even though he ain't on no trail, all the other dogs will start barking. And he said, you might as well load them up and go to the house. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm afraid there's a lot of barking in this hour. But there ain't a whole lot of substance. And a whole lot of falling after the barking. Well, there ain't a lot of substance. But I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to bark half as loud and half as long if you're really on a trail because the others will know when you got the real goods. And she had laid at the feet of Boaz. It was a secret work, but it was a showing work. And I don't want to have to talk about what I got. I want others to see it, don't you? At the feet of the Son of of God. When's the last time you heard his voice, felt his presence as he wooed across your life, as you bowed at his feet? Amen. Let's stand.